0: y'all today, turn your Bibles to Ephesians 6, uh, starting in verse 10. Um, over the last two months, I, I started in Ephesians, and I didn't think I was going to get to finish, and I had to skip a little uh, to today, uh, but we're gonna, I, do, I do believe this is where God wanted me to end. I don't, I don't believe that He wanted me to preach anymore, and I, didn't think he, I don't believe He wanted me to preach any less, and I think He wanted us to end right here today, and that is... The whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. I titled this, Welcome to the Army. Um, I believe a lot of times when we get saved, we don't realize what we're signing up for, uh, that you are signing up for the goodness of God, but you're also signing up to be a part of his army, uh, to be a part of his kingdom, uh, to be a part of what God uh, has for this world, to use you to go out into this world uh, to share the gospel. And if you are going to do that, you're going to fight somebody. You're going to fight him every day. You're going to fight him all of your days. You're going to fight him in the night. You're going to fight him in the day. You're going to fight him all the time. And that is Satan himself. He does want to stop you. He does want to be your adversary. He does want to be your discourager. He does want to lie. He does want to stop God's word from going any further than you. As we look to Ephesians, we've seen there was a plan from the beginning of time, a redemption plan that God laid out into before we were even a thought in this world that He had already made a redemption plan to save us. Not only that, we've seen that He said, I died for the whosoever, the Jew or the Greek. And then not only are we, uh, can we be adopted as a whosoever, we are adopted into the family of God, the ones that accept Him as Savior. Three, not only that, we are become his workmanship. The Bible says that we are to be used by God to build the kingdom, to build God's church. And then in Ephesians, he goes on to say, faint not, have unity, walk worthy, walk not as other Gentiles walk, walk in love, walk as children of light, walk wise. And then in conclusion, he says, armor up. This isn't going to be easy you're going to need all the armor that you can stand. Let's go ahead and read in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, there is not one person in this world that's your enemy, yeah. but against principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the blessed breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all power and supplication in the Spirit and watching there into all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly yeah, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in the bonds, that herein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. You said, say, you had not even got through this yet, and you're already crying. Whew. I don't know what God's done for y'all this year, but he's done a lot for me this year. <laughs> I don't know if you can praise his name for what he's brought you through, but he's brought me through a lot. Amen. I'm going to tell you guys, in 2022, we just had a lock-in this past uh, weekend. Don't ever do it. Amen. (laughs) Every year, I'm like, you know, we're not going to do this ever again. I've done several lock-ins since I've been a youth pastor. This is probably the seventh, eighth one. And every time, I'm like, I'm never going to do this again. This is stupid. Why did I do this? Uh, But then next year, I'm going to say, hey, let's do it again. Amen. Uh, But I will say one girl gave her life to Jesus on Friday night, so it makes it all worth it. Amen. But guys, this message is for us today. As we go forward, as we go forward into 2024, I want us to think where we were in 2022. Uh, The end of 2022, we have no clue what was going to happen in 2023. In 2022, I had all my plans, but God has His plans. In 2022, we don't realize that in 23, there's tragedy coming. There's heartache coming. There's discouragement coming. Some of y'all lost people this year, I think. And I look around, and I'm like, man, they lost somebody, and they lost somebody. You didn't know that was going to happen in 2022. You didn't know that the church was going to look different in 2023. You didn't know that by one year we would have a new pastor starting next week. You didn't know that all the things that were coming. You didn't know that there was going to be times this year where, man, if you didn't step up and you didn't have God's presence in your life and you didn't have faith in your life, that you couldn't take one more step. There's some of you that are ending this year in sickness. There's some of you here today that's got people in the hospital that you're worried about. There's people here today that says, I'm just a little bit worried about what next year holds. That's okay. Nobody in here knows what next year holds. Next year, not all of us will be here. Next year, there's going to be more tragedy. Next year, there's going to be some discouragement. Next year, life might change for you. Next year, it might not go your way. But with that, there's also going to be victories. With that, there's also going to be joys. Also with that, there's going to be God doing stuff that only he can do. Amen. That's just life. Life changes on a dime. Life is uh, no, one thing I've learned is nothing stays the same. Everything changes. Nothing as we want it to stay. A lot of us as Christians want everything to stay the exact same way. That's just not the truth. That's just not life. Nothing stays the same as much as we want it to. But the, where we have victory is when we roll with the change and we say, God, I know that you don't change. The only person in all this universe that does not change is a steadfast Lord. The only thing that I can truly have faith in is God. Well, then when life goes left or when life goes right and life goes up and life goes down and everything seems to be on shaking ground, I still have one that I can go to in God's Word. And I can hear His voice. I can see His Him. I can hear Him. I can hear His voice coming off the page saying, Be strong and be courageous. Don't lose hope because I have overcome the world. Brandon, no matter what happens, friend, no matter what happens, God is true, and He is steadfast, and He is an anchor that holds. And you can have joy in that because the same God that saved you is the same God that's going to take you to the other side of whatever situation you may be in. But along the way, there's going to be one that wants to remind you and lie to you that that's just not true. And he's going to throw as many fiery darts your way as you walk this land. He's going to try to stop you in your tracks. He's going to say, stop. God's not who he says that he is. But my friend, that's when we dig into the armor. We put it on and we realize that our God never fails. The Bible says that we are not to hold a fort. We are not to stop. We are not to wait. We are to man the walls. We are to get into the battle. And we are to stand our ground. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you for your blessings that you give us. Thank you for those that are here today. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for the year that we've had. Lord, it's been good. It's not been easy, but it's been good. And Lord, you're faithful. And Lord, I can't wait for next week. It starts a new day. It starts a new time. It starts a new year for Hillcrest Baptist Church. And Lord, I'm excited for what you have for us going forward. And Lord, I pray, God, that whatever battles are up ahead, uh, whether our lives look different next year or not, whether the people that are in our lives that we love are here or not, that, God, that we can remain steadfast, that we can continue on for your gospel, that we cannot lose hope, that in just a little while, in a blink of an eye, we'll all be together again. And, Lord, let us not stop while we are going. Lord, I pray, God, that we can armor up, That For we, from our heads to our feet, will be covered in your presence. Lord, thank you, God, for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, guys, the first thing we must understand is our call to stand. Look in verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The stand that we are to take is to put on the whole armor of God. Brothers and brethren, it says, those in Christ be strong in the Lord, where true strength comes from is God. guys, I know we want to pretend that we're strong. I'm also be honest with you, in my weakness, he is strong. I'm learning that every single day. The moment that we start to think that, man, we got it going on, that's when we are the weakest. But when we are on our knees and when we are uh, absolutely have nowhere to turn but him when we realize that there's nowhere to go but Him, when we realize we're on our back, but God is looking down and He sees us in our suffering, that's when we can lock in to the strength of God. But a lot of us never really allow God to move in our life because we think that we have it under control. Guys, I want you to take your hands off of your life and let God rule and reign in your life, no matter what that means. Because God is either good He is either perfect, he is either holy, he is either righteous, or he's not. And we're either going to believe that he is who he says he is, that he knows what he says he knows, that he is sovereign, that he knows tomorrow, that he knows the future, that he knows my life. The Bible says in Ephesians at the very beginning before the foundations of the world, he had a foundation, he had a plan for salvation. So if before the foundations of the world he already had a plan, then I believe that this man and you are in his hands no matter what. And we're either going to lock into those promises or we're not. But the Bible says, be strong in the Lord. Where true strength comes from is our relationship with God. Human might is not no source to overcome. We cannot do it on ourselves. Our inner man must be stronger. How? How? How do we get our inner man strong? I don't know about y'all, but sometimes we don't feel very strong. We don't feel like, man, we can't do it. But in our weakness, in our, in our, where we can't, God can. How? We start to have a living, dynamic relationship with Jesus. Not many Christians have a living, dynamic relationship with Jesus. Troy just said what everybody's thinking. Most of us never open the word. We don't open up the Word. We get here on Monday or we, it's Monday comes and we often don't, don't ever think about God until Sunday. And we wonder why we don't have that strength that we need to have. You say, Brandon, you don't know where I'm coming from. Yes, I do, my friend. I know what it's like to work 70 hours a week. I know what it means to be tired. I know what it means to have to have a thousand cases on a Coke truck and I get home and don't have any strength. And I also can tell you what I know... And that means that I remember when I was about 15 to almost 30, I never looked at God's Word and I was weak as a noodle. I never witnessed. I never did anything I was supposed to do. I would come to church and I would never even truly feel like I knew what the Holy Spirit was in my life. And I had people like poor brother Terry Fessler that just preached to me week after week after week. And I would just not pay attention to what I should have been paying attention to until I started following Jesus the way I needed to. And then all of those messages start roaring back into my life. And I'm like, that's what he was to preaching out the entire time. And the word starts to become a living word. It starts to become something that I can just feel. It starts to become something I get excited about. Let me tell you something, friend. I read this Bible for a long time and it never brought tears to my eyes. Now there's a lot of times I can't even hardly read some words until I'm crying. Because I realize I have no hope in this world but what is in this. I have no purpose for my life but what is in this. There is no reason for my existence without this. But I realize when I truly put my faith in God, He absolutely does above and beyond in our life. A living, dynamic relationship with Jesus. So many times we we treat Christianity like a schoolyard pick. Anybody ever been, man, you ever played dodgeball? Man, man, you remember those days? Man, those dodgeball, people either hated it or they loved it. Those big guys on the crowd, they loved it. Those poor little people, man, they hated it, right? And we used to play with those kickballs that, man, you, you were tasting it for a week when you got hit with those things. And it was relentless. Nobody cared. That, that PE teacher was laughing while that happened. I mean, it don't, we don't live in that world anymore. The balls now are like, beep, and they just fall off. But not then. That trained you. But I remember when we would do the school pick, you'd have the biggest, you'd be the strongest. And now all the kids would say, I want him, I want him, I want him, I want him. And you get down to the poor kid at the end and he's like, this is rough, I hate this, right? But then life is a lot like that. We still try to pick the biggest. We still try to pick those people that look the part. We still try to make life into... Oh, man, they, they, they look like they got it going on. They dress like it's, they got it going on. They look like, man, that's the, I want, those are the people I want on my team. Let me tell you something. The people that you should want on your team are the people on their knees. Amen. If there's people that, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to surround myself with people that I know they're going to pray for me. Amen. I'm going to surround myself with people that I know have my back. I'm going to surround myself with people that I know love Jesus. Amen? And it doesn't matter what we look like outwardly if we, inwardly our man is weak. We have got to start becoming a strong people where our inner man longs for the things of God. The armor is useless with no man to put in it. God's armor is for men and women who know God, who have a relationship with Jesus, and has a heart that is ready to fight. So not only that, we see our stand. Next, we see our enemy. And look in verse 11 through 12. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places. The first thing we must realize is that our enemy is never a man. It is never a woman. It is never somebody that you go church with. But the first thing that Satan wants to do is divide the people that we should be closest to. Oh, they said something I don't like. They're the enemy. Oh, they, they, they're, doing, they're leading a way that I don't like. They're the enemy. No, my friend, I'm not your enemy. But I'm telling you, Satan would love to get between us. This next year in 2024, Paul's already talked about the importance of unity. The first thing he would love to do as things change and things get different and as we grow and, as I, and all of a sudden, man, there's somebody in your seat. There might not always, You might not always have the same seats that you always have. That's okay if the kingdom of God is growing. Amen. Are you ready for that change? Are you ready for people to all of a sudden, man, there might be somebody else signing up for your spot. Is that okay? All of a sudden, man, Brandon, I don't need you here, but you need to be here. I just, we just need to be, have a spirit of, of usefulness. God, use me wherever you can use me. But Lord, please just use me. Don't let me sit on a beach. I just want to be used by God. Somebody told me that a long time ago. Brandon, you are not entitled to be used by the Lord. But I think sometimes we think we're entitled to be used. Guys, God chooses to use us or not. And when he does use you to do even the smallest of things, you need to thank him for using you. That in his kingdom, it is a mighty thing. And we don't know how he's multiplying your use. We don't understand how he's multiplying it. And we might think we're doing so small. But people might say, man, just a smile on his face I knew that he loved God. But to and fro, it says, but in this world, Satan, the devil, the accuser, the adversary, the deceiver, it says he is in the wiles. It is a deceptive strategy that he has. And his plans are to blind people to the gospel. That's his number one plan. He wants to blind people to God's truth. And guys, today, the number one religion in the world is this. It's self-worship which can be wrapped with a word, you're going to be shocked by this, Satanism. You say, that what? The number one growing religion in the world is Satanism. And you say, how does that be? Satanism is self-worship, the worship of self, and the worship of I. So the number one growing religion anywhere and everywhere, and you say, Brandon, that's not true. Just take a stroll through high school's. Just take a stroll through some colleges. You'll see the growing religion of I. That it is all about me. It is all about my kingdom. It's all about my wants. And it is all about if it makes me feel good, I'm going to do it. Satanism is a system of belief based on personal freedom. Self-worship is the fastest growing religion. Guys, we must understand that it is not about us. It's about him. People are running to and fro, not knowing what they may believe. But not only that, it's that, as that religion grows, the world is getting sadder, harder, meaner every single day. And the truth in which you have in this scripture is what sets people free. I still believe that I can't help a man, but God's Word can help a man. I still believe that God's Word is a sword that is so, so sharp that it can still pierce a heart. But so many people are running to and fro. Christians have stopped standing. They're not standing in their homes. They're not standing in their schools. They're not standing in their society. And all of a sudden, we're in even in a time where, guys, this is so dangerous that we have let things not bother us anymore. And nothing bothers us. What used to absolutely drive us crazy, now we've accepted it. And it just happened a little at a time. Satan is very divisive. He's not going to come in like a whirlwind. He's going to come in an inch at a time. And before you know it, he's taken everything. You look up and, man, your family's off into a mess. Your, your life is in a mess. And before you know it, God is nowhere to even be found, it seems. But in this, this world where people are running to and fro, Christians have stopped standing a lot of people say, you've got to let your kids decide for themselves. I'm going to tell you something. I believe in Exodus, it says, write it on your doorpost. Amen? Don't let your children decide for themselves. Don't on a Wednesday night to let your children decide whether they're going to come to church or not. You tell them they need to be in church. And you better go with them. I mean, we're living in a time where church is like the second or third thing down the list. If that... This should be number one, serving Jesus. And if we can't serve Jesus in church, don't try to fool me that you're serving Jesus outside of here. If we can't serve him in the easiest place there is to serve, don't tell me that you're at your work witnessing. Don't tell me that you're praying. Don't tell me you're a godly saint. If we can't do the bare minimum of what God has called us to do, And then tonight, hey, Brother Tyler's coming uh, next week. I'm going to let this go. Most of you ain't going to be here tonight. and It don't matter what is preaching this, you done made your mind up. Yeah. Amen or Amen. Oh yeah. Don't let your kids decide for themselves. Christians, we need to see the problem. Most are blinded to Satan's schemes. All the world, we see manpower trying to stop the drug trade. We see manpower trying to stop murder and crime. We see manpower trying to stop abortions. Entire generations not hearing the gospel. Men can't do it, but God can. And when are we going to start to realize that God is the answer? He's always been the answer, and He still is the answer. I was asked, how do we help? What do we do? I think the one, number one thing that we got to do, somebody asked, Brandon, how do we change the world around us? Well, I'm going to tell you, we change it the way Satan has taken it from us. Satan has taken it through children a little at a time. Satan has given kids phones at five years old with open access, and we expect our kids to be godly. Satan has taken our children younger and younger and younger and younger and younger and younger. younger. Before you know it, he's taken an entire generation. Before you know it, he's taken... 30, 40 years. Before you know it, there's not much Christians even existing anymore. Because just a little at a time, he changes the mind of people. And we think it's good. We think it's, oh, it's okay. Free thinking, all these things. I'm going to tell you something. When I was 16, 15, 14, I didn't have a brain worth thinking of Nothing. And if I didn't have people investing into my life telling me what is true and what is right, I would have went any which way I wanted to go because there was a lot of places I wanted to go that I had people saying, over my dead body. When are you going to be a person that says, over my dead body? I'm going to lay my life down for my friends. I'm going to lay my life down for the people that I love. And if you are going to go a crazy wild way, you're going to go over this old dead body to get there. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you something. Kids will look back over time, and they will know whether my mom and daddy were true. They will know whether my mom and daddy stood. And in the war, when it rages, and that kid ends up in a wild place somewhere, they are still going to have the truth that you gave them. They're going to look back and they're going to say, I know my mom and daddy told me right. I know my mom and daddy lived it. And I know that there's still a truth that I can lean on. But if mom and daddy never made them come to church, if mom and daddy never were with them when they came to church, if mom and daddy never lived it in front of them, oh, I believe mom and daddy would be just fine with the life that I live. Guys, we have got to decide that we have an enemy and that we are going to fight him with everything we got. We need to start investing in young people again. We need to keep telling young people how true God is and how good God is. Lust, greed, hate, selfishness, and pride are encouraged and celebrated in our time. What are we going to do? We're going to stand. Don't give any more ground. Our life, our family life, and our church life need it. So the Bible says, then what are we going to do? We're going to put on Jesus. Look in verse 14. It says, stand therefore, having your, it says, put on the whole armor of God, so you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. He says, put on truth in verse 14. Satan wants to take our integrity and truth in that means integrity. Integrity. Belts hold everything together. It held all the tools together. A man with a clear conscience and integrity is fearless. But if you don't have integrity in your life, it's hard to stand for truth. When you know that you're not living for truth, how in the heart is it to tell somebody else to live in truth? Because the first thing that we do, if we're not living in truth, who am I to tell somebody else not to live in tr- to live in truth? And then we start to feel guilty because I can't be a hypocrite, so I would just stay the way I am, and we will reproduce people that are not in truth. Somebody's got to have integrity, somebody's got to live it, somebody's got to be true. Then you can stand saying, I know what God done for me, and I know what He's doing in my life, and I know that there's a better way. And my friend, you can be there too. But there is Bible truth, there is Christ truth, there is a life of truth. Romans 3, 4 says, Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. If it doesn't line up with God's word, then it is not true. It's a lie. Truth gives a soldier reason to stand. Without God's truth, we are entangled, tossed to and fro, where the world may lead us. Two, he says, put on righteousness in verse 14. He says, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. From neck to thighs... This is what was covered. It was the armor that took, uh, that guarded the the internals. It guarded uh, everything, all the way down to your thighs. But what it really means is it says put on purity. Guys, if we want to stand for God in this day, put on integrity, put on purity. Protect the hearts and the vital organs. I am counted as righteous because of Jesus. We can all say that God's righteousness is imputed onto us. But guess what? Because Jesus' righteousness is in us because we've been saved, He gives us the Holy Spirit to live clean. I think the number one thing that people have fallen for is that Christians are not supposed to be different. And where in Scripture does that hold up? Throughout Scripture, there's people. are they perfect? No, they're not perfect. Are we still sinners? Yes, we're still sinners. Yes, we struggle. Yes, we deal with the flesh, but we're different. And we have a heart and a desire to live for God. And he says, put on righteousness. Take on, put on your purity. And Satan wants to take our purity. And he's taking it younger and younger, by the way. I'm counted as righteous because of Jesus. But he says, however, we must strive to live righteous before men in the world. When our heart's not right, nothing is right. We can't serve, we can't worship, we can't pray. When our hearts are not right. And how many times do you come into God's house and you say, I can't worship? Why? Why can you not worship? It's usually because there's something out of bounds in our life. Our hearts are on something else. Our hearts are in a place where they shouldn't be. You say, Brendan, why can't I pray? Why do I feel like my prayers are just hitting the ceiling? It's usually because there's something out of bounds between us and God. Because our hearts are sold to something else. I say, Brennan, I can't serve. Why can't you serve? Usually because our hearts are so desiring other things that they shouldn't be desiring. And it's affected us in every which way. It gives place to negative. It gives place to sin, and it gives place to evil thoughts. Then he says to go on, he says not only put on integrity, he says put on gospel peace. It says in verse 15, it says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He says, take your piece, ready. Sandals, these nails that were in the grips were made to grip the surface so they would not fall back. We are called to go with the gospel. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. We're still called. That soldier would have his feet prepared. They were rock. You can't fight with no shoes on. And those shoes would have nails out the side where they could grip the rocks. They could grip the hills. They could grip the grass. They could grip whatever they needed to grip. They were like cleats. Like when you're trying to play baseball with tennis shoes, it don't work. But guys, what we see is like, it doesn't matter what terrain, we're still called to go. You say, well, Brandon, what if it's a rough terrain? We're still called to go. What if the people are going to hate us? We're still called to go. What if the people, we we see that it's a rough crowd and we're still called to go. We're called to go with the gospel and we are called to dig in. Preparation means every week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, DT, Awana, Youth, we are to be preparing to leave this place to go out into the world and tell the people about Jesus. You know how many times people say, I just don't get a lot out of the messages. Brandon, I'm just tired of hearing the same preacher over and over again. I get get tired. You know why? Because we want to be entertained. And when you have been in this word for yourself all week, it hardly don't matter what preachers up here preaching. That you're starting to see what God's already been doing in your life all week. And your heart is in tune to hear what God has for you. But if you're never in this, before you know it, you're just a person in the crowd wanting to be entertained, but it doesn't really last. It lasts about two or three days Oh, man, that sermon yesterday was so good. Then Monday comes. Oh, that sermon was pretty good. By Wednesday, we can't remember what the sermon was even about. True or not true? Because we have not been in God's Word ourselves. And it doesn't matter what preacher preaches. He could preach on the armor of God that you've heard every single day of your life as a kid. And it still reveals new things because you've been in the Word yourself. And guys, we put too much on preachers. We put too much on the men of God to give us and fill us with everything they're not intended to do. They are called to give you the word, preach to you the word, give you the truth. But they can't live the Christian life for you. And if we don't do our part, you're never going to get what you should get out of God's word. But we want men to do it for us. But we, are in t- we have got to do it ourselves. We got to see that we need to be in God's word just as much as that preacher's been in God's word. And, guys, it'll change you. It changes everything that you hear, it changes everything that you see, it changes your whole outlook on a Sunday morning. But prepare yourself, study, don't try to live off just a sermon. You can't, you'll starve. He says, then he says, go on and put the shield of faith on. In verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. This body's shield was from top to bottom. But Satan's number one thing that he wants to do is take your faith. The devil says, I want to rock your faith and I want to rock your life. But when we put on the shield of faith, it's putting on certainty. Question salvation, your call, your worth, you're discouraged, you're depressed, and you're defeated. How many of you have ever been in that spot? Or you say, Brandon, I'm discouraged. I'm defeated. I don't even know if I'm saved or not. Satan wants us to live in this mushy, half-hearted life. He don't want us to be strong. He don't want you to be courageous. He doesn't want you to be certain. He would rather get into your mind and make you feel like you don't even know the Lord. There is a battle for the mind. But we must dig deep into the promises of God in that moment. The Bible says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and a lifter of my head. Guys, when you start to get discouraged and you start to feel like, man, I can't do it, go back into God's word and see that you can that man, there's been a lot of people that have struggled in their faith, but they go back to the promises of God and they realize that it has nothing to do with them and it has all to do with Jesus. And guys, true freedom comes when you realize that it has nothing to do with you. I preach that over and over, but it has nothing to do with you. Salvation has nothing to do with you. It has all to do with surrender, giving all of your life to Jesus, realizing that he's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that was perfect. He's the only one that was holy. He's the only one that was righteous. And I'm not... None of those. And he is all of those. And this man is going to put my faith in them. Amen. And he says, I'll save you. I'll keep you saved. It don't have nothing to do with you. But this body shield was to stop the fiery darts that came. But let God's presence shield and defend our life. He says, then he goes on. He says, put on the helmet of salvation in verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God thinking with the mind of Christ, this knowledge and hope of salvation is what we should be always remembering. Looking at Jesus, looking at heaven, looking away from worldliness every day. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says. Satan is at work in the minds of our people, and we must remember the salvation that we have in our life and that this is not our home and that we are just a passing through. And when you start to get defeated, when Satan starts to throw the darts, remember the heavenly salvation that God has bestowed on your life. And finally, it says, take up the sword of the Spirit in verse 17. It says to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The best form of defense is the attack. God's Word, God's truth, and there's power of God in it. Romans 13, 14 says, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Guys, we have got this Word. We need to use it. This is God's Word. This is where we go to find peace and joy. This is when we find our answers in here. But I want us to think of the heroes of the faith for just a minute. I'm going to close. Who they were. What they did, what they did for the Lord. So many people before us were strong, they were courageous, and they stood for the things of God. I bet you have people in your life that have done the same. I bet you have people in your life that were big influences to you growing up. I bet you have people in your life that were always there for you. They were always quick to show you what was the truth in God's Word. There were people that you could always just lean on knowing that they were who they said they were. And in those hard times, man, you went to them and you needed them. And not only that, we look through Scripture and we see the disciples who gave their life to Jesus. We see the martyrs. We said that last week, over 100 million people have died for their faith. We see, imagine ourselves being a person in North Korea tonight that, man, if they receive Jesus, it means that they could lose their life and their family, but they're willing to do it. We think of all the people that laid their life down for Jesus. And it really convicts me, am I really standing for the truth of God? Because I'm a believer wholeheartedly that you can stand in these pulpits and be bold as you can be You can come to Hillcrest Baptist Church in your Sunday school classes. You can teach the kids. You can teach the youth. And you can be bold and strong. But if you don't do it outside of here, you're not bold and strong at all. I can sit in these right here. Week after week. And you say, Brendan, why do you cry? Because I want to be bold and courageous. You say, Brendan, you are bold. Man, you, you preach hard things. Anybody can preach hard things in a place where everybody will amen. But will they preach hard things when people throw darts your way? Will they say hard things when people don't like what you're hearing? Will you say hard things when they ridicule you and talk bad about you and hurt your family? Will you say hard things when you don't have to? Will you willingly take up the cross when you don't have to? That's where true conviction comes in because those people throughout Scripture and throughout history did that to get us the gospel. But we are in a generation that is stopping it. I believe if we are not careful, the gospel won't go much past where we are today. We might be in the last 20, 30, 40 years Hey, God could come tonight, to be honest with you, where the importance of God is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. You say, why? Because the voice of the Christians are getting smaller, smaller, and smaller. We're getting more quiet every single day. Guys, Hillcrest Baptist Church, has got a, I believe it's got a great future ahead. But guys, we've got to get out from these walls and make an impact in our communities. We can reach so much more people together than we can right here. Do we want to bring people here? Yes. But imagine today if you went and reached two people. Imagine today, Chris, tomorrow if you go to work and you reach two, and I reach two, and you reach two, and we all reach two. Before you know it, man, that starts to multiply the way God wanted it to multiply. How in the world did He change the world with just a few men? He did because they did what they were called to do. And they would preach to one, He would get saved, that person would then be discipled. They were going and preaching and it would just multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. And God's word is still a multiplying word. When people hear it, they respond to it. But they got to hear it. And that's up to us to be bold and courageous and to quit worrying about everything that's going on in our own life all the time. God, I can't witness for you because I got this going on. Everybody's got something going on. And even if life has hit you so hard, I still think of people all over the world that's dealt with so much worse than I've ever even dreamed. Then why am I so of little faith when they're expected to be so strong in theirs? I'm going to finish with this. There was a man in World War I. His name was Martin Truptow in 1917. He was a barber... I believe in New York. The war came and he signed up to go to the the army. While in the army on the western front, he was charged with taking a command between armies. And he would grab this letter and it was his job to take it to the commander, maybe three or four miles away. But while he had to do this, there was enemies out trying to stop him. He was risking everything that he had. And the commander in his group said, I need this ran to the next station. And Martin Treptow, just a barber, wasn't wasn't, grew up to be a soldier. He was just a regular man. He said, I'll take it. And before anybody could even say anything, Martin ran out the door down the western front to take this command. To the next group, so they could continue to fight and know the plans. Within a few hundred yards of him making it, machine gun fire killed him. And as the bodies lay and they had time to to, to, to get him, they opened up his, his jacket and his diary was on the inside. And in his diary, it said, America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. And I said, I, God, that's, just, that's an American soldier. But that's exactly what God requires of His Christian soldiers as well. When are the people of God going to realize It doesn't matter if the person beside me is doing what they need to do. It doesn't matter if Brandon's doing what he needs to do. It doesn't matter how bad it is. I'm going to take this on as if the whole thing depends on me. I'm going to be the man. If nobody else will do it, I'm going to witness. If nobody else is going to do it, I'm still going to pray. If nobody else is going to do it, I'm still going to be strong and courageous because I'm not going to not be faithful to my Lord just because nobody else is. Because it doesn't matter in this room if all of us are lost. I know I'm saved. And it doesn't matter if the person beside you is lost or not. You're saved. You've given your life to Jesus and He has given you a command. And are we going to continue to let the other people run it are we going to let other people continue to grab it and go? Are we going to say, I'm going to take it. I'm going to be the soldier I need to be. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to be courageous. And whether it be life or whether it be by death, I know God's got me. That's a difference maker. I'm convicted about modern day Christianity. I am. I am. I'm convicted every time I see people that are really living for their faith, and we don't. I'm convicted every single time that I see people having to truly lose it all for Him. And we all we worry about is our comfort. All we worry about is if the preacher don't preach too long, or if he entertains me, or all these things. That's all we worry about. But when are we going to worry about the lost souls that are dying and going to hell? Right. When are we going to worry about the presence of God being back in our churches? When are we going to worry about, man, I want to see revival truly come to our land and to our homes? When are we really going to put our faith in God and realize that He is who He says He is and we're going to be a people that will go wherever He wants us to go, will be what He wants us to be, and will say what He wants us to say? And you say, Brendan, what if nobody in this room does it? Will you do it? One person. Jesus, throughout Scripture, it says he, he left the 99 for the one. And I believe that a lot of times the Bible was not full of multitudes, it was full of just individual people who would do what God's called them to do. And I want to help lead that charge. I do. I pray the leadership wants to help lead that charge. Tyler can't do it all by himself. Neither should he ever be expected to be. We should look back as we lead, as Tyler leads. I love what Stonewall, and I'm going to finish with this. I keep saying that. I'm done after this. Stonewall Jackson, one of the greatest generals in the Civil War, they said he stood there like a stone wall. And those men got behind him in a way that nobody else in the Civil War ever did. Because when the war was raging, they looked up and they seen Stonewall. The bullets were going by his head and he stood there on his horse. Boys, I'm up ahead. And as Tyler charges ahead, what would he do if we looked back and we were hiding behind the trees, not going with him? We're going to go with him. And as He goes, we go. As God leads Him, we go. Guys, whatever God's calling you to do today, you come. If, God, if you're not saved in here, you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ one time, and you've never received Him as Savior. My friend, you can do that today. You trust Him by faith. You say, God, I know I can't, but you can. You say, you call upon his name and you say, Jesus, I know that you died for me. I know that it was for me. I know that I'm a sinner. And I know, God, that you rose again in three days and I'm receiving you as my Savior. You say, Brandon, I need to be a member of this church. Hey, you come. There's exciting days to come. But guys, don't join because of excitement. Join because you feel led to serve here. And maybe God's just calling you to be a soldier for your family. Maybe God's just calling you to be a soldier for your work tomorrow. Maybe God's just calling you to be a true soldier of the kingdom of God. And you just need to strengthen up. And the way you do that is the next verses is by prayer. Pray every single day of your life. Pray for God to help you put the armor on. Amen.